What's up, guys? We are back, and today we are joined by the great, powerful Hannah Olson. Um, yeah, so Hannah and I, we met at a birthday party that, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't even know it was a birthday party. Um, <laughs> the day before, yeah, that's the crux of the story. That's the that's the uh, goal of it, right? Um, yeah, so we... I was talking to Taylor, a mutual friend, um, and she was like, oh, like on Sundays, because I was going through this period in my life where I wanted to meet more people that were kind of on the growth mindset or like wanting to expand their horizon, expand their mental circle. And I guess in my mind, I didn't really have a strong growth friendships in my life. And so I'm talking with Taylor literally the next day after I thought this, she's like, Oh, like on Sundays, I always hang out with like, you know, my friends that are starting businesses, my friends that are doing this and that. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like I'm down to come. And, um, she's like, okay, cool. Here's the time, all this, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, all right, I gotta, you know, gotta show up to impress. And so I made a three pound tri-tip roast. <laughs> I think it was the hit of the party. But the crux of it is I didn't even know that it was Cass, uh, Cass's birthday. And on top of that, it was supposed to be a surprise birthday for her. Uh, <laughs> so luckily I didn't ruin that, but <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of thrown off guard whenever I showed up and, um, <laughs> I got like presented all this, uh, from Taylor. But, um, the, one of the beautiful things of that night is that I got to meet Hannah Olson and, you know, through discussing like meat and food, I found out that Hannah does uh, holistic you and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you train people um, how to eat in a holistic manner. And we had a great conversation. And whenever I was putting together this podcast, I mean, we stayed in touch, I guess, over um, Instagram and all that stuff. And so in putting together this podcast, I was like, ah, I holistic food, that's something I know a little bit about, let's say, um, but I was like, let's have a, have a coach on and see what, uh, see what information she has. So thanks for joining me. Yeah. Happy to be here. That tri tip was the hit of the whole party. Sorry, Cass. Sorry, Taylor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we got to talking about just nutrient dense food because that's what I care about and that's what I'm into. Um, and so I've been a certified holistic nutritionist for a few years now, and I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, just like helping them figure out what to eat because our food environment is insane and it's just hard to even navigate the grocery store. So um, I just, yeah, get a lot of joy out of that. It's cool. It is. It's a good, it's a good way to put it. It's hard to navigate the uh, grocery store. Um, it's insane. Yeah. It's like everything is either packed with sugar or, you know, some sort of sugar derivative that's, you know, just there to attack you. So, so maybe this is a, yeah, it's not good. Um, so maybe this is a good place to start. Um, whenever you work with your, you know, clientele, when they come on, like, is there, are there stigmas usually that you have to break down or do you kind of just say, here it is? Cause I feel like, because first of all, nutrition is like a very nuanced and difficult conversation sometimes mm -hmm. because we all have our, you know, it, it could honestly fall in the realm of like religion and politics where it's like people get, what's that? Of course. Of course. Yeah. And so, I mean, how do you kind of approach, um, let's say a new client or even anyone that's just like interested in the idea to begin with? 
So my main thing is that there's not one perfect diet for everybody, because like you said, everybody has their own beliefs. We all were raised differently. Um, but not only that, like if you want to get down to like the scientific cellular level, like no two people have the same microbiome. So no two people are going to absorb food the same way or react well to the same thing. So when I first start working with somebody, it's honestly just like seeing where they're at. I like to have them do a food log for like a week or two of just what they're actually eating. Um, which honestly, I feel like might not even be the best representation of what they're actually eating because they know that they're writing down all their food for a nutritionist to look at. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> right. Pretty honest with like their yeah. burritos and all that kind of stuff, you know. Which obviously those foods exist because there was a need that needed to be filled there. Um, so my thing is just trying to make real food accessible and like make cooking for yourself feel good and like an act of self-love, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that makes sense that you kind of are like kind of putting people like in the driver's seat. It's like, okay, what are you eating for these two weeks? Cause to me, that's like, that kind of gives you a baseline for what their gut biome is kind of like telling them. And then you can kind of, you kind of figure out from there where to go. Well, yeah. And like, you know, from there I can just see like, if you're eating a bunch of sugar all the time, then like, that's the first thing that's got to go. But if you're eating relatively healthy foods, maybe we just need to kind of switch things around, but it also depends on what somebody's going through. You know what I mean? On if they have a really bad period or if the guys can't lose weight or whatever it may be, like figuring out what they need to work on and then just helping them through it. And I will just say that for the most part, everybody knows what they should and shouldn't be doing. You know, we know that yeah. we shouldn't be eating Jack in the Box at three in the morning after getting wasted every night. Like, <laughs> that's just like a baseline thing. Um, and so when people come to me, they kind of just really need like a su support, you know, and somebody to just check in. Do you feel like they're not getting that support anywhere else or um, maybe they're nervous to approach other people to support them? I think that that's mainly the thing. Um, the people that do come, like you have to be at a certain place in your mind to even reach out to somebody to help you with your sure. nutrition. Like you have to be pretty over it. You know, like if you get a personal trainer, then you have to like really not like where you're at physically or whatever the case may be. So I will say that people that do step up and reach out and become a client are already in like the mindset of improving. Okay. Yeah. They already have that baseline of, it's not like you have to like kind of pull teeth to get, to get people to do what you're saying. They're already kind of like, huh? You're refused. Yeah. And that's you're just like <laughs> not working with you. Yeah. I got like, well, no, I would love to work with everybody, but you know, at the end of the day, only, only I have control over what I put in my face and what becomes my body. Right. And sure. so if this person is just like, I ate a cookie yesterday or I ate whatever, it's like, cool. Then you don't like, then you're not really wanting to do this and that's fine. You know, that's beautiful and that's fine, but I'm not going to like babysit you and text you every day, which maybe right. I should be better at. <laughs> <laughs> you should be better at, do you do that now? Um, I mean, I definitely check in, but I don't, I don't know. There needs to be a level of independence where we have our time. We check in weekly, right. whatever it may be. Shoot me a picture of something in the grocery store. If you're confused on what yogurt to buy, I'm here for those conversations, but just the day to day stuff, not, I don't know. I need because to be 
No, that makes sense. And what it makes me think, right, is like at the end of the day, um, I assume here, so correct me if I'm wrong on this assumption, but I assume that at the end of the day, you want to be able to get your clients to no longer be your clients where they're able to kind of do this thing on their own and it's be so able bad to for business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> it's like bad that. for business, but yeah. what's that? I said, it's just like a hard business model because I don't want my clients to need me after a period of time together. And right. it proves difficult because then you just need to keep getting new clients. But that's also kind of the goal too, is just to help as many people as possible feel good, you know? Now, this is my, this is my business brain kicking in. Um, do you think like, once you can become conscientious of like what you're eating, when you're eating it, do you think there's like a model you could then kind of like take a step back and be like, okay, well, you know, you've shown that you get the idea, but like, I don't know, it's almost like a additive where it's like, okay, well now there's like a bulking or a cutting kind of thing. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're just trying to maintain, then maybe we just don't need to work together anymore. Is that like something that you offer as well? Or is that like out of the idea? Yeah, it's, definitely something that I've thought about and that definitely dips into the realm of like personal training as well. Um, which gotcha. I actually just, today's the first of October and I just started school today. Um, so Congrats. really exciting. So the first year of this program is all about like anatomy and personal training and the fitness side of things, because, you know, holistic health is not just about food. Food is one tiny component. It's about sure. getting proper sunlight. It's about, you know, exercising, moving your body, getting your lymph moving. And it's also about emotional health and feeling happy inside. And I know you are big on meditating and journaling and doing all that stuff as well. And I'm sure you can, you know, attest to how it's yeah. just non, I don't know. It's so important. It's, it's hard to, you go days without doing it. And it becomes life almost becomes a little bit more difficult <laughs> because of it. Yeah. yeah. Like after doing it for a while, you're like, shit, I need to get back to meditating. Like I haven't done that in a while and this is why, and you know, I'm overreacting here and this is a problem. Yeah. This is just blowing up your phone notifications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right. Well, so then that's actually an interesting distinction you bring up where I guess you're not really just a holistic health or a holistic food coach. You're more of a holistic lifestyle coach. That's the goal. Um, for right now, I've just been in the nutrition container um, because that I feel like is one of the not easiest, but most prevalent things. Like we eat food every day. Everybody eats right. food every day, unless you're into fasting, good on you. But like everybody has to eat food and so I think that that's just kind of like a great entry level, you know, because it's people a place have to start around injuries or whatever they may have for physical stuff. They might have weird emotional baggage that I'm not trained to deal with. Um, but for food, it's just something that I really care about. But also because I grew up standard American diet and grew up drinking soda and fresca was my right. favorite drink and would go and eat sugar cubes just out of the container and felt horrible. You know, right. and so changing my food really was like the segue into everything else um, for me. So that's, I think, why I'm so passionate about it. Well, then let's uh, let's keep with the food for a little bit more. Um, 
I remember, I forget what doctor it was. Some doctor uh, was on like a Joe Rogan or something and she brought up the gut biome and that was something you brought up earlier. Um, let's, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of what the gut biome and what the whole, um, the idea of even what the gut biome is. Uh, so sticking with the food, um, let's dive into that. What is, what would classify like a healthy, let's start off with what is the gut biome? So, okay, let's think about our bodies are kind of like donut shaped. So like this flesh is separated by your mouth all the way through, right? Your intestines and your gut is basically like a tube on the inside of your body. And everything that you eat is technically outside of your body until it's absorbed through your gut. Um, inside of there is millions, trillions, billions, whatever of microbes, um, bacteria, fungus, viruses, all of these things that we're told to fear and we're sanitizing out of our lives. But really, so the gut microbiome in short is just like a bunch of little critters inside of your body. And these guys make, they produce all the things that we need. They produce vitamins, they produce amino acids, they, you know, eat the food that we take in and then produce things that we need. Um, and I think people are learning more and more about the microbiome because probiotics are so popular um, and things like kombucha, which I don't really recommend drinking because it's just sugar water at this point for most brands. But, um, you know, fermented foods are, you know, high in probiotics. So I don't know. Yeah. Can you ferment your own fruit food? For sure. Totally. What do you, what do you do? I guess I have always heard like the idea of fermenting. Is it just leaving out, but like, really? Yeah. And it just so gets when like you ferment something. Basically what you're doing is just leaving it out and then microbes from the environment come in and break it down. So when you make sauerkraut, basically what you do is you take a head of cabbage, you slice it up really thin and you just mush it until all of the water and juice comes out. Um, and then you put it in a jar with like cheesecloth or whatever. And these, bacteria and things are all around us in the air. They're everywhere and they get in the jar and then they start to work their magic on it. And it, you know, breaks down uh, components in the food and makes it easier for us to digest. So it's more bioavailable. Um, and then those little guys get in us too. And they're really beneficial. Now, would that help with something like allergies? Like if you have allergies in the air, like the fact that you're now ingesting it. Yeah. Cause it's just like, it gets to you at like a, you know, you're digesting the allergens, I guess, let's say. And then it right. just would... I guess it depends on the allergy. Um, okay. And you know, with fermenting, you obviously need to be really careful because you can grow toxic mold on food. Like you, it's not always going to be a great project. I've done <laughs> like quite a few projects, but um, you know, just, it's all about diversity in my opinion and just diversifying your microbes, you know, yeah. because it, you don't want an overgrowth of anything. Well, so then that's interesting, right? So if it's a, is there like a way, right? So we, so there's obviously then a level of being dangerous with um, fermenting. Is this something that we should like caution people before like going too deep down this? Like should people research how to ferment then? Research. Absolutely. Okay. That's with anything, I think. Like do some research. Don't just jump into something and start eating it. Like, you know, you just need to make sure that you're doing it properly, especially if you're fermenting something, because like I said, you can grow things that you're not really looking to have 
on and your- would that include alcohol? Because I believe that's a part of creating alcohol process is fermentation. So oh, is it and beer? Yeah. So then we just I guess fermenting. But so then where's the line here, right? So my mind, help me out here. Because so when you're saying fermenting fruit or food, let's say if you ferment grapes, you know, yeah. at some level it becomes wine now, right. but there's a health component. Is it like fermenting it for a certain period before it turns it alcoholic? Well, right. So when it turns into alcohol, then I feel like you're pretty much in the clear. Uh, I'm not a fermentation expert, but I will, I would just guess, you know, and the alcohol would kill off any bacteria or germs. As we know, rubbing alcohol exists. But with things like vodka and distillates, um, those are distilled. And so basically it's heated to such a high level that the alcohol ethers come out and then they're separated. Uh, okay. So then is that the key? What is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm kind of interested, right? You're saying like, so then with the fermentation, you're supposed, it's supposed to become alcoholic, but um, alcohol is bad for your liver, right? So am I missing something here where you're supposed to ferment food and then it doesn't become... say that sauerkraut is alcoholic. Right. I would not. At all. Because, I mean, you can buy it in the grocery store. You don't need to show your ID. It's not. So I think that there's a level where it does turn into alcohol, but you also need to have a lot of sugars present for that. Uh, um, which is okay. why most alcohol is distilled from things like grain or potatoes or grapes, um, because it has a higher sugar content that gives those little guys food to convert into alcohol. Gotcha. So it's fermenting high sugar items that makes it more alcoholic. I think so. Okay. So then whenever you're fermenting, what, what type of things are you fermenting? Um, I fermented carrots. I fermented cucumbers, like making like a fermented pickle. Um, obviously cabbage to make sauerkraut. Um, I've never tried my hand at kombucha, but because I'm like a little nervous because I don't want to get bad spores in there. I got some, uh, lids for mason jars. Uh, they're called the easy fermenter lid. If anybody's interested in trying it themselves, um, basically it just fits on any wide mouth mason jar and it has a pump. So it pulls out all of the oxygen. So it creates an anaerobic environment in there uh, so that it, it's doesn't, you know, it's not conducive to bad guys. There's also a book called the Noma guide to fermentation. That is just like a Bible on this subject. And I would highly recommend anybody that would want that to check out too. That's your fermentation one-on-one right there. <laughs> Stuff to check out. Yeah. That's dope. Um, so let's see here. You get people on, they come in, you uh, then try to figure out where they're at. And then now how, like, how long are usually clients with you, you know, to kind of, let's say, um, you know, cause there's a process here, right? Two weeks for them to log their diets and their changes. And then are and so you after that initial period, it would start. Um, and I would that, say okay. 30 to 90 days is currently 30 90 days. people. Um, and but then, I still have clients from March that I'm checking in with and it's now October. So, and right. one of my guys lost 30 pounds, which is insane. Oh yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm super stoked for him. So do you do, so I guess there's so many different ways to diet, right? Like, you know, some people count calories, some people count macros. Do you don't do any of that? Is it more just like intuitive eating kind of thing? Or is there like a process of like, you go from this to that to this? That's funny you bring that up because I've debated so many people on 
calories and the importance of them or whatever it may be. And yes, calories exist, but I don't think that they are the best metric for what we are going to be consuming and how we should be consuming food. Um, because Sean Stevenson has a great podcast about the calorie. It's called the secret life of the calorie or something like that. And basically they, to measure a calorie of food, they put a food item in like a box inside of another box and then they set it on fire and see how much energy is given off. And that unit of energy is called a calorie. Interesting. Our bodies don't work like that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't ignite food on fire. (laughs) Right. Our bodies are not a furnace as much as people would like to think that it is. Um, So I don't really like that. And I also don't really like counting and all of that stuff um, as like a day-to-day lifestyle thing because it can be super obsessive. And right. can become weird, like emotionally and mentally regarding your food versus yeah. just my approach is eat real food, just eat real food from nature, from the earth, as it was supposed to be eat eggs that were, you know, on pasture in the sunshine, happy chickens, same thing with beef, grass fed beef from normal animals that are living a normal life. And, right. you know, there's. I respect vegans. If you want to do that, then do that. But I'm all about nutrient dense foods as well. So nutrient dense foods, meaning eating a portion of food and getting as many nutrients out of it as possible, which I remember us talking about that, you know, obviously you brought over a beautiful tri-tip and we're just talking about how meat is perfect food, you know, at least it has everything. I, I mean, it has everything in it. Right. And so that's something, that's something I've always thought about, right. Is like, you know, I, the whole vegan idea, I'm right. I mean, it seems like it'd be, it's so difficult to get in all your amino acids to get in, um, like just from a natural thing with her as a piece of meat, it just already has red meat. I believe in particular, correct me if I'm wrong, just has all of it already there. Um, so, I mean, do you have people who come to you and are like, well, I'm only vegan or I'm only pescatarian. And then do you need to work around them? I do say I'm not for you. Um, because I just don't specialize in that. So I'm not a, gotcha. a specialty in vegan nutrition. So I don't really care to learn how to get you all of your macros because there's somebody out there that is vegan and is doing it well and, you know, like specializing. So I've turned right. away a couple people, but I have converted a couple of people too back to yeah. eating meat, which feels so good. <laughs> still alive, you know, some girl got her period back. Like what? She didn't really? have a period ever and that's like a huge sign that your body isn't getting what it needs and right so she started eating fish then chicken then is now you know text me the other day hey i'm eating a steak and i thought of you it's like a normal menstrual cycle and everything yeah yeah right yeah, because not- that's sorry go ahead i was just gonna uh, note that with eating meat and like with eating an animal-based diet um it's not just about eating like the muscle meats but also eating organ meats And a lot of people aren't really into that, but liver is literally like the most nutrient dense food that you could ever eat. If a wolf kills something, it eats the liver first. The alpha gets to eat the liver. They don't know why, you know, like the wolf isn't consciously aware that it's nutrient dense, but it's just like a thing in nature. And so if you aren't into eating organs, but you do want to get in nutrients, I recommend desiccated organ powder. Like they have capsules. Um, heart and soil supplements is a really great one, uh, by, uh, 
carnivore MD. Well, what do you think? So liver is definitely something that I've been trying to like get more into my diet. Not the easiest thing to find in the world. Um, so if you have to go the capsule route, where like, so like, for example, like I, I kind of believe, like I take vitamin D3, for example. Um, the purpose being is that when you're in the sun, uh, you know, your body absorbing the rays that you're it somehow converted into vitamin D3. I don't know the entire process. Where is kind of the line between getting all of your nutrients from capsules, let's say, versus the actual meat or the actual organ? Like it, in your mind, do you believe that you can sacrifice some of those things? Um, you know, because... I guess it's, I always find it funny because there's a scene in Rick and Morty where it's like a futuristic, uh, time. I'm not sure if you're a fan, but they get to a point where it's like, it's like they're only eating pills. Like, it's like, it's like, who's ready for their pill brulee? Um, <laughs> and he just brings over a whole thing of pills and, uh, they just like downing pills. And, uh, um, and, and so, I mean, I feel like in a utopic, utopic futuristic society, Oh, didn't put it on silence. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's cool. At least you got it out at this point. Uh, right. So is it like, I don't know, where do you, I guess the question kind of is, is like, where do you land on, you know, the, as a holistic approach, what are you able, how about this? What are you able to substitute with pills versus you need to eat the actual food to get it? In my opinion, uh, anything that is created in a laboratory or put into a capsule is never, ever, ever going to do the justice that nature will do for the same thing. Um, I recommend the desiccated organ capsules because it's literally a whole food that they dehydrate, grind up, and then put into these things and you eat six of them and it's like a serving of liver. Um, and that is still real food. Whereas for supplementing okay. as far as like vitamins and minerals and stuff, um, I think that people need to be careful about it because a lot of these things are super synthetic um, and can honestly just be a waste of money because your body can't really absorb them properly. Uh, so I would always recommend trying to get everything you can from whole food sources, mainly animal-based sources, um, just because like we were just saying, it's the most nutrient dense food. However, I will say that our soils, after generations and generations of really poor farming practices, are super depleted in nutrients. And so that is where I would recommend, you know, finding a local farmer that is growing things on compost and is growing nutrient-dense foods. Um, a great example is there's a farmer named Joel Salatin, and he is out in uh, Swope, Virginia. I flew out to his farm this summer and went to a holistic health conference there for a few days. And That's so cool. It was seriously just amazingly mind-blowing. And he has gotten, I think it's like a tomato from his farm versus a tomato from the grocery store and sends them off to a lab. And his foods have just like so, so much more nutrients. So it's off the it's, charge. It's growing it right. Yeah. It's because he's growing it on soil that is, you know, cared for with love, which really I think is huge. I think it, it definitely goes a long way. You can tell people who, when people put passion into something, it really shines through in whatever it is. I think that's just like a universal thing, whether it's, yeah, exactly. The energy's transferred, whether it's to the food, whether it's to the, you know, um, relationships, whether it's to, you know, your job, I think it just goes through everything. 
Um, and so, so compost real quick, what, uh, my ignorance of growing stuff on compost, I, my mind goes to thinking like, we're talking about like paper, like newspaper, or just like paper that's getting recycled and they're able to create soil out of that. No. Yes, you do need paper and mulch and stuff for compost, but compost is any biological material because everything breaks down. Everything that's organic and natural is going, you know, from the earth and back to the earth. So basically you throw your banana peels, your eggshells, your bones from your meat, your whatever you have, all organic material, you put it in and it's going to rot and break down and decompose. And those nutrients and those components and the carbon doesn't go away, you know, it right. just becomes soil that you can then grow. And You're here like, in San Diego, there's a mushroom farm that you can get really good mushroom compost apparently for. And I just, is it angel farms? And I can't wait to start my garden. <laughs> is it angel farms? Sorry. Is it angel farms? I think so. My friend was telling me about it the other day. Okay. I, I always get their uh, lion's mane mushrooms or I used to always get their lion's mane mushrooms at the, uh, at the store or at the uh, farmer's markets in like PB and OB. Nice. You have to let me know if it's uh, fa- if it's angel farms. I will. I yeah, the, will. the dude talking about people that put like a lot of energy into their thing. The dude, like if you're interested about mushrooms, that dude will go into a, like a 30 minute conversation with you. Like he won't care if people like want to buy mushrooms. Like <laughs> there was times I was like, man, like you got money sitting right here. Like, I think I need to like kind of keep going <laughs> as interesting as this is. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, people, I love when people just are passionate and care about stuff, you know, that's the coolest. Well, so that's actually, this is something we kind of skipped over at the beginning of the interview. Um, it sounds like you found your passion with like holistic treat, like just a holistic lifestyle. Um, how did you get there? Like I, and let, like, did you wake up, uh, when you were five years old and you're like, I'm going to be a holistic coach or, mm-hmm. No, <laughs> could you lay out, could you lay out some of how you got there? Like, yeah, like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking whenever you went to, did you go to college? Like, what were you, um, what was your goals um, when you were in high school, let's say? Okay. So when I was in high school, I would hit up the Dunkin' Donuts on the way to school every day with my friends. <laughs> um, I had like horrible, horrible periods, horrible I would sweat all the time because I was like drinking caffeine and my body's trying to detox. And it's just like, what's going on? Um, I would break out. I was overweight. I had no energy. I had brain fog. I was moody and just like generally felt like shit, you know? Um, So that moves with me into college. And so I went to Florida State University and was majoring in retail merchandising and product development and thought that I wanted to be like in textiles and like, clothing so which is hilarious um but so in college just continued with the same stuff you know my roommates and I would go to Olive Garden and I would just eat bullshit all the time and it caught up with me to the point that I ended up dropping out of school because I was just like had no energy I didn't even want to walk to class you know I just didn't care I was yeah I don't I feel like saying that I was depressed would be like a little bit dramatic, but I just like wasn't happy. So well, I mean, you have that brain fog when you have that brain fog, it kind of, it'll play a weird trick on you where you don't really, yeah. you must not really know if you're happy or depressed. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> or just what you're doing in general. Right. Um, so then 
yeah, I was just pretty much over it. And just so you dropped in. out after how many how many years did you go to UF uh, FSU? Two and a half. Yeah, yeah. So and I didn't doing... get anything. Which no. whatever. Yeah. yeah you, like, I, you gotta you gotta I mean how did so you got a degree, I guess, in uh, holistic nutrition at some point though. Right, so how'd we get yeah. how did we get there? So how did we get to there? Moved home and just really started falling in love with yoga and okay. just started doing yoga all the time. And from that was exposed to the dietary component of you know, the spiritual path, I guess we could say. And so dabbled in veganism for a while, dabbled in vegetarianism and just started dating a bodybuilder at one point. And from there learned about like the real shit, you know, well started learning about the real shit. I have entered the holistic wormhole on my own kind of, I don't know how honestly but <laughs> he, uh, he just showed up one day and you're like yes that that's what we're gonna go for but yeah so then like started getting really into working out in the gym and being fit and looking good and was definitely eating like subpar protein powders and just you know healthy yeah. food but like kind of still garbage like rice cakes all the time and you know that kind of stuff i used to think those were good i i always used the excuse that it was uh it was calories to help me, uh, you know, bulk up, but really you know, fun. yeah, and for I don't know. it's low in calories. So I can, yeah, <laughs> so it'll <laughs> fill me up. It won't be a big deal. Right, exactly. Right. Although I'm sure it's just processed. Everything's of it just processed out of the wazoo. There are a couple of brands, but yeah, puffed rice, they've done studies in mice and like mice that are fed puffed rice, like get cancer and die. Like super oh, nice, so. Damn. We got to stop killing all the rice, but and those rats, but but so then where do you fall? Where do you fall on grains? Cause I always have kind <clears> of, <throat> excuse me. And maybe this is a person to person thing, but I've never really like, I don't know if it's like, you know, your perception becomes your reality. So I don't know if I've always just mentally associated, you know, let's say grains with gaining weight, but like, or maybe I saw something about how like white bread was actually better for you than whole grain. Um, like, are you able to kind of set the record straight on grains for me, for at least for me, but maybe anyone else that's listening? Yeah. So there is, uh, I've got two books to recommend. One is called No Grain, No Pain by Dr. Peter Osborne. That yeah. dude's awesome. Um, I met him this summer at Polyface Farms and he just attributes grains to pretty much all of the inflammatory and, you know, all the issues that most people are having, chronic inflammation, Think down to IBS, down to whatever. Um, so his book, No Green, No Pain, is very interesting. Um, but there is also on the other side, so he's like, no greens at all. You don't need greens. Okay. Sweet potatoes, eat whole foods, you know. Um, but then there's the nourishing traditions diet. Um, Sally Fallon Morell wrote a book with Dr. Tom Cohen, and it's called The Nourishing Traditions Book. It's a huge cookbook. And they are basing this philosophy on the work of a man named Dr. Weston A. Price. Um, and Dr. Price was a dentist, like at the turn of the century in like the 1900s-ish, basically before globalization, before airplanes, before okay. everything was everywhere and whatever. So he was a dentist and he's here in America and he's just like, why is everybody... Why are why is everybody's teeth rotting out of their head? What's going on? This isn't normal. What what's happening? So he right. went on this like huge pilgrimage around the world to look at indigenous cultures and traditional cultures to see 
how their how their teeth are. And what he found was that these people that weren't eating processed grains, that were eating flour and refined sugar and, you know, industrial revolution food, these people that were eating normal ancestrally consistent diets of fats and proteins and minimal carbs and like berries and stuff had perfect teeth, perfect teeth, perfect dentition, perfect like palates, perfect everything. And they were robust in their health too. And so he basically went all around the world. So he went and saw people in Alaska. He was down in Africa. He's over in South America. He's in all of these indigenous places and collected so much beautiful information, which looking back, like, I don't think that he knew how important that that was going to be, you know, no. at all. He just kind of, he was just kind of doing it. And then he just, right. he, did, did nobody like recognize his work? Like whenever it, was he one of those, uh, let's say people that the work was recognized after, you know, he was oh, passed. Absolutely. Yeah. His book yeah. is called um, nutrition and physical degeneration. Um, if anybody would be interested in looking that up, but, um, so his philosophy and what he observed from these traditional people was that with grains and things like that, they sprout them. They would sprout right. them and ferment them because nuts and seeds and grains are little, that's a seed for a plant. Right. And, right. If you are a plant, if I was a plant, I don't want you to eat my seeds. I want them to be able to make it through your body, get pooped out somewhere in a nice little fertile pile, and then grow so that my right. species continues. And so when you sprout and ferment and open up these plants and their molecules, it's less toxic on your system and easier to digest and more nutrient dense. That's interesting. And then, so what's the process of sprouting? Just letting it, letting it be until Basically, it. Like putting on like in between some wet paper towels for a few days. Yeah. Okay. But you can, I mean, we live in such an amazing time. I was at the grocery store sprouts the other day and they have like sprouted lentils and sprouted mung beans in a dried bag on the shelf, ready for you to eat. You know, wow. Ezekiel bread is another one that I think is a little more popular. People think that it tastes like cardboard, but I love it because it's <laughs> so yeah. So, you know, you, cause you know, the nutritional, and this is something I've realized is once you start realizing like the, the nutritional value of what you're eating, even though like originally it didn't taste as good, you start, you almost start, I think two things happens. One is you cut out so much of the sugar in your diet. And so then the relative, your brain relatively doesn't compare this to just something that was like sugar packed. But I think there's also something that flips with, um, like, okay, I'm eating this with sprouted, like kind of just what you said, once you have that, like, knowledge, once you have the knowledge of like, okay, well, if I eat this, and it's not sprouted, it's going to do this, this and this to my system. But now that I'm eating something that is sprouted, I just it tastes better, because I know what the beneficiality, mm-hmm. I know that it's more beneficial to my body and system. Right. And so Dr. Stephen Lynn wrote a book called The Dental Diet. And in The Dental Diet, he basically goes in, it's basically like an homage to Weston A. Price in this book. But he talks a lot about phytic acid, which is in Mm -hmm. um, like nuts and grains and stuff. And phytic acid is like an anti-nutrient. So not only is it like kind of harmful and will mess up your teeth, but it will make it so that your body can't absorb nutrients, which, you know, people's teeth start getting cavities and rotting out and falling out, not because of sugar. Like, yeah, the your microbiome is also in your mouth, but it's because your body is like pulling for spare parts and pulling for nutrients out of your bones because your diet is so deficient in nutrients. 
That's a good way. That's kind of a good way to look at it, right? Um, where it's just, it's this like competition for resources. And a, a good example, I'm sure you're aware of this, but I'll say it because I feel mm -hmm. smart whenever I say it. I like this thing. <laughs> um, orange juice. Um, I remember that they would run, they ran like a lot of tests. Uh, it, well, first of all, let's go back. Whenever I was doing the carnivore diet, I remember a lot of people were like, well, you got to make sure you get vitamin C. Vitamin C isn't in meat. So you need more vitamin C, vitamin C, da, 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 da. Started doing the research, <laughs> started doing the research here. And what happened was, is that the phytic, I don't think it was, no, it wasn't phytic acid. It was the sugar. So vitamin C and sugar compete for resources in the, or the body competes to digest it. Maybe you correct me here where I'm messing this up, but essentially like, for example, if you eat, if you drink a glass of orange juice, um, you know, they say, oh, it has all your daily vitamin C. Well, the problem is, is that you're intaking it with all of the, you know, sugar that's coming in the body. And so the body has to choose between digesting the vitamin C or it has to choose the sugar. And I think what ends up happening is that you need like a lot more vitamin C in order for you to, you know, be healthy and to not compromise, um, your digestion or your uh, vitamin C intake. Have you heard that before or? I haven't heard that specifically, but I don't recommend juice at all. You know, I mean, no. green juice is cool. Like celery juice. I love it. Feels good. I drink it all the time, but like orange juice and apple juice and all of those things, you're just removing those, the sweet sugar part from the fiber. And I think that the fiber plays a huge role in it as well. Um, but, you know, with the juice, I don't know, like I said, I haven't heard anything specifically about the vitamin C absorption, like competing with the sugar for what's going to get processed. But I do know that that will definitely cause your insulin to spike and your blood sugar to spike and, you know, just gets you on this roller coaster, which is not we can we'll leave that as a something to research. Then I'll, uh, I'll have to double check and get back to you on that one. Yeah, I would love to, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I'll see if I can find an article on it. Um, but to the juice, to the juice comment, I, that's something that I like, well, now I've taken a step back from is even like juices where, you know, like you're saying, it's like you need, and I think, uh, another thing is like the, um, dehydrated, like mangoes or dehydrated, like apples that people eat. It's like, it, it's like, you're taking out half of the, half of the item in order right. to like, kind of taste it. It tastes better. It's a snack. And then they argue that it's healthy and it's like, well, you know, you're removing, I don't know if there's like a good analogy for it, but it's like, you need both of them together in order to, for your body to digest it properly. Well, and I would argue that everybody is probably, well, not everybody. Many people are so dehydrated already that you don't need to be eating dehydrated fruit. Like please eat the <laughs> real juicy fruit and get the <laughs> um, there are people that will argue that fruit is high in deuterium, which is um, like a, an isotope of hydrogen. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but anyway, eat real fruit, eat real food. I will say the dehydrating fruit, I feel like is rather like traditional. You know, if it's, if you have a bunch of cherries and you were growing cherries all season and you want to preserve them for the winter, you're going to dehydrate them. Um, but just drink a lot of water, I guess, if you're snacking on that stuff, but don't snack on that stuff. That much. <laughs> well, really so what would, anyway, in my opinion. What, what would your, what would your opinion be on, um, excuse me, on if you were to take like mango juice and then eat dehydrated mangoes with it. I think that's a sugar bomb and it should be avoided. That's okay. That's a bad idea. Just get the actual <laughs> like, mango. I mean, if you love mango juice though, then like 
have some in moderation, but right. don't just be drowning the whole container. Throw a little bit in with some water or in a sparkling water or whatever. But well, know. and I think that's and I think that's a huge issue, at least probably in our society more so than most, or um, let's say American society. I don't know what society I belong yeah, to anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I am. In <laughs> uh, American society, right? Is I think we have like this like something I've noticed, especially being in Brazil and checking out all these different cultures, is that. We have a tendency, especially with drinking, you see it the most, like where you just drink super fast to get kind of drunk. You don't really like, it's not like a chill thing where you just have one there, one here, one there. And the connection I'm trying to make here, um, oh, what was the connection I was trying to make there? Uh, we were just talking about, oh, like, uh, yeah. So like if you're, if you, if there's something like bad, let's say like, um, like I have wafers, let's say in the, in the cabinet, like here, like no, no means is that a good thing to eat. But I think the caveat there is that if I want to have one, you can have one, but you know, be conscientious of like having one versus having 10, because I think what happens is we get in these mental cycles where it's like, I just ate half a bag. I'm a terrible person. Now I'm not going to eat. And then you're like, all right, well, I haven't eaten them in forever. So I might as well eat the rest of the bag. And then you're just like, I hate myself. I hate life. I'm a terrible person. And then you go out of these whole roller coasters instead of just kind of keeping this like, you know, more consistent leveled off, um, vibe. Yeah. I was about to sneeze. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's okay. Go for it. If you need to, I really <laughs> wanted it to happen, but it went away and now I'm sad. Um, uh, <laughs> but no, so definitely totally agree with you that they're, you know, enjoying life and enjoying food and, there's so many good foods that I love to eat all the time. I'll definitely get down on pizza. I'll definitely get down on dessert. I love chocolate. I eat chocolate all the time, but I eat dark, unsweetened, organic chocolate, you know, that's like I super love dark chocolate. chocolate. I just love it. I love uh, it so much. What percentage, what percentage do you go for? 100. 100. Baking. Oh, that's aggressive. It's a, yeah. It's everybody's like, you're a freak. Uh, I'm, like, I'm in the 85% range and I think that's crazy. But isn't it like, and maybe I only had one, I've only had it a couple of times, but isn't it just like powdery? Doesn't it like fall into your mouth and it's kind it's of like a powder? Super dry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just a super dry, but I love super dry stuff. I love like dry red wine. I love okay. dry stuff. I was going to say, do you like compliment it with something to get it like less dry? No, no, just have that and like drink some peppermint tea. That's like my favorite combos. Peppermint tea with some dark chocolate. Get like a peppermint mocha Ooh, vibe. That's interesting. I'm going to have to go down to the store and see if they have that. Cause that's sounds really good. Yeah. Um, what were we just talking about? Because I wanted to add on something. Oh, we um, were talking about food. uh, yeah. Like how you would just the, uh, ups and downs in the guilt cycle. Right? Yes. The guilt cycle. That's a good way of, that's a good phrase. Yeah, it's like a guilt cycle of just like, okay, I'm going to eat this food because I deserve it. And then you eat it. And then it's just like, why did I do that? But instead, just having three bites of something, you know, the third bite of dessert tastes just as good as finishing the whole the, the whole plate and right. you get into money or whatever. But I don't know, it's your body and it's your health, but it's also your life and it's enjoying your life. And I think that food should be enjoyed. We are animals at the end of the day and we can't really hold it against ourselves that like our biology just wants to consume calories for the winter. That's apparently never coming, you know, yeah, right. starvation period that our ancestors went through so, so long ago. And that's where discipline comes into place of 
you know, doing an intermittent fast and not eating all night and waking up in the morning and emptying your stomach and letting your body work through the stuff, you know, yeah. and then have a bite of dessert, eat a bite of pizza, go out with your friends, but just make it a one meal. Don't do it an all day or an all weekend or an all vacation thing, you know? Yeah, and, and anyone who's looking to fast, I, I think it's phenomenal because I absolutely yeah. get, I feel like I get the best sleep of my life on days that I've like fasted or even just a couple hours before bed. I mean, I don't, I don't like strict rules. I feel like they get a little fuzzy when you're like, don't eat this before this time and all that. But yeah. yeah, but if you like, if you go a couple like hours before bed, um, usually I notice the sweet spots about like three to four hours before bed. Um, yeah. like, yeah, you, you go to bed and you're just like a little bit hungry. Um, I get like these crazy vivid dreams and it's like, it's super powerful. And then Honestly, the bonus feature is in the morning, you like look in the mirror and you kind of look kind of skinnier. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh yeah, that was, that's fucking sick. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think that, you know, you probably are having vivid dreams because your body isn't having to work through food and right. it's like actually healing and, you know, doing other fun stuff, like pro digesting what it needs to do. so much energy and everybody that has fasted always will tell you that they feel amazing on like day two or three after you get over like the withdrawal symptoms from sugar and right. whatever from, but it just feels so good. I've been intermittent fasting at night. Like I've been trying to do, you know, I'm flexible with my windows, but I'm just trying to like not eat first thing in the morning. I just made this smoothie cause I knew that we were going to be talking for a while. So I wanted to get in food before I got hangry, you know, cause there's, the yeah, <laughs> we can't be recording Hannah when she's hangry. That would no. just make for a terrible podcast. No, <laughs> Might have to cut it short if that was the case. No. <laughs> You're like, all right, sorry, guys. She uh, is too early for her. <laughs> we'll have to reschedule. <laughs> we'll have to reschedule her. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good point too where, okay, so this is actually a really interesting thing that um, I used to be kind of the same way where I'd fast through like my workouts in the morning and not like eat. I saw an interesting study that happened. Uh, I don't remember the doctor that had it. My my roommate at the in San Diego, he sent he sends me these things from uh, Dr. Huberman, maybe is Huberman. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Huberman podcast, Huberman lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Dude's a, dude's a Jack. So I, you know, it, <laughs> um, he showed a study where he was saying that like between the hours of five a.m. and ten a.m. is the best time to take in protein. For protein synthesis and then as the day goes on like there's like our circadian rhythm is tied to our protein like the way our body digests protein um so maybe this is a maybe if you are more aware of it like how does that kind of tie into like this whole fasting thing because like the mornings i don't you know i kind of got into a thing where i like fast i like working out fasted but now i feel like i'm sacrificing um eating my protein for fasting and it's like or I'm eating protein to sacrifice right. fasting. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I want to be, I want to look good, but I also want the inside of me to be solid. So part of me thinks it's a balanced thing, but I'd be interested to hear what your opinion is on all that. I've actually never heard that before, but that know. sounds super interesting. And if that's what you're thinking, like, I don't know if you just like working out on an empty stomach because your body isn't digesting a bunch of stuff and you don't have to like be using energy in that way and you can use it in your muscles and outwardly. Um, but I do think that if you, I mean, you could always just eat earlier in the day and start fasting at like 6 PM or something if you wanted to, you know, right. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. I guess my mindset was like in the morning, right. Of like, 
kind of like, putting because between five and ten a.m. Yeah, the, he said it was like the the prime zone to be eating protein was That's my takeaway. Yeah, and as the day well, goes on, it becomes less important to eat protein. Interesting. Well, I okay. So just thinking of like being alive in this world, the sun comes up. If you you know get up, see the sunrise. I'm sure ancestrally people would consume food as early in the day as they possibly could. Um, I'm not sure, but I do know that in Chinese medicine, there's like a body clock and like a biological clock. Um, okay. I'm not sure exactly what times that would be between five and 10 AM, but I'd be interested to look um, and just see what the Chinese medicine calendar would say for that. How it like correlates um, and all that. I know that like, but 3 AM is like liver time and a lot of people have like liver stagnation and wake up in the morning at like three in the morning. Um, that liver also. stagnation. So what? Is, what so are we gonna, can we break down this Chinese clock? Because I've never heard. I've never heard of it. So like, oh, what's like the basic cool. concept of it? So I am a total novice when it comes to Chinese medicine, but it's so interesting okay. to me because it's like five thousand year old system of using food and holistic medicine to heal the body. Um, but so all of the different organ systems are associated with emotions and have like their own chi, you know? So if your liver chi is stagnated, you can be angry or frustrated or, you know, every, your spleen and your stomach is associated with worry. Your lungs are associated with grief and sadness. Um, if mm. that chi is out of whack. So the Chinese can use your emotions or whatever your symptoms are to really like dive into that deep emotional level and see, like what's going on with you. I was going to go to school for acupuncture this year, but I didn't know if I was going to be moving like out of state or whatever, but that's definitely going to be somewhere in my life because I think it's so fascinating. Um, but basically just like to encapsulate, it's just like energetic systems in the body. You know? Okay. Which is an interesting segue because I heard you um, mention spirituality uh, when you were talking about uh, like the whole yoga phase of your life. Um, so th this is a story that I want to bring up with you. And I talked about this on episode two with uh, Tiara Alicia. And so if you haven't heard that, I highly recommend it for you because um, I think you might like it. But the core concept is, is about these energy systems, right? Um, and I don't know if you're, I, you're aware of the chakra system, I believe. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just to verify. Um, and so, you know, in coming to that, in my opinion, epiphic reality with it, I, you know, was challenging it at every level. Like, well, if this is true, then that let's try this. And it kept showing me true. But the, the one thing that like put me over the top was, is, um, you know, I've always kind of had a clear face with acne, but my neck and I don't, it's probably, probably okay to see now. I don't, it's not too bad. Um, was it had pretty bad acne on the sides and then on the back and, you know, yeah, it's the throat chakra. It's represented by the color blue. So in my, um, you know, journey, I was like, huh, well, I don't really eat any blueberries. So let's take a gander if I were to eat blueberries and see what happens. Um, so I then decide I, I for like three days, it was probably two or three days. I was eating like handfuls of blueberries, which <laughs> I don't recommend. I don't know how, like, <laughs> again, if we're talking about that up and down thing, don't like just go into your fridge and do that. But within those three days, I, my skin was clearing up. Like it was almost like night and day with how clear it was getting. And I remember I even went to my, um, 
I was seeing a chiropractor at the time and hopefully I'm going to get him on at some point. But I like brought it up to him and he was just like, he was like, yep, like that's how it works. Like you just, you eat some blue. I was like, shit, man. Like, you know, we, it's like something that we don't, um, take, we take, we don't even acknowledge it. It's like, it's so taboo in our culture, but now I'm kind of going on a ramble, but that was something I wanted to share. Specifically because they were blue to correlate with your throat chakra, which you yeah. was causing that. Yeah. hundred percent. That's really cool. Yeah. And do so you think I, the placebo effect had anything to do with that? Like, do you ever listen to Joe Dispenza? Um, yeah, I, I've read, uh, uh, what was the, uh, becoming supernatural. I want to read, uh, um, the habit of being, but to your point, like the placebo effect is crazy in its own rights. Right. Great. Like I, which is completely valid, right? How much of this, so where's the level of like, you know, well, you know, for instance, like your root chakra represented by the color red, um, is like for digestion and, you know, all those types of things. So I would eat apple anytime I'm like having bad digestion or, uh, stuff like that, I would eat red apples. And so, but this comes back to what you're saying, how much of it is the placebo and then how much of it is it, um, the nutrients of the food that are enacting in my body in certain areas in order to, you know, get these things going in the, before, before I turn it over to you, uh, the other thing that I find absolutely bonkers, and again, this goes to placebo, but maybe not was your solar plexus chakra, which is like right at your rib cage represented by the color yellow. Um, anytime I would eat a ridiculous amount of sugar an unhealthy amount of sugar, I would get heartburn and it, it's a pain that's like just below your heart. In my opinion, um, I would eat bananas, which are yellow and it would clear it up. And that was the first one that I had that, like, no way this is real kind of moment. I, I went online and looked it up and I was like, if I'm having heartburn, like I, I remember Googling like heartburn bananas. And I found an article that talked about how like there's acidic properties in bananas that balances the pH that is related to like heartburn and yada, yada, yada. So that, that, those are my two things the two the two things in specific are the blueberries and the bananas that i'm like i'm kind of sold on it and i don't know if how much of it's placebo and then how much of it is actual um holistic food or how much of it was just like an intuitive download that you got and you're just like hey i'm gonna give it a try and then it worked honestly i have no i cannot speak to any of that at all but that's awesome i will say for the blueberries like you know, they're kind of astringent, you know, and might have... What do you mean astringent? Your lymph, too, because you have a lot of lymph nodes, like, in your neck. Like, I will break out on my neck, too, and, like, around my chin. Like Okay. Yeah, like, right on the sides, almost. Like, like right in this kind of corner. Yeah. I don't know if you can see with the beard, but, yeah. Like, wash off. What's that? Washa is basically like a kind of massage. It can be like a self massage, but basically it's like a lymphatic drainage massage, which would be oh, really, really? Great because you're so active. Um, and your lymph is basically like below your skin, but above your muscle. And unlike okay. your circulatory system, which obviously moves on its own, your lymph doesn't move on its own. Um, and so okay. women, a lot of the time, um, they'll do gua sha to like get rid of wrinkles and get rid of things like that instead of Botox, but it's just really, really good to move everything around. Gua sha is a gua sha. How do you spell that? G U A S H A. Okay. I, I know I'm going to be re-listening to this podcast because there's like 30 things in here that I either need to send you or look into myself. <laughs> yeah. 
So I hope everyone that's listening is taking advantage of this because I feel like Hannah's basically giving us all of her expertise and <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you still get some clients from it. I'm such a nerd. I just love No, I love it. I love I, it. Uh, well, and that's like, and this kind of goes back to how we like met. I mean, I feel like I'm the same way where it's just like, there's always a new like layer of the onion to discover almost. And it's just like, there's one more piece in the rabbit hole. It's like, yeah. oh shit, I thought I figured it out. And this is something with jujitsu where I, I, I love the story where um, a professor was like showing us a move in class where you, I'm not going to get into specifics because it would be almost impossible. <laughs> I don't think anyone, even if you did jujitsu and I start explaining, you still might not even know what I'm talking about. Um, but you know, you do a certain sequence of movements to, you know, get them to, to get to their back, let's say. And, uh, you know, I, he taught us it. And then in class, I like tried it like during our drilling session. And I thought I was so smart. I, you know, I was like, you know, I've been doing jujitsu for three years and I was like, oh, like professor who's been doing it for 23 years. I go up to him. I'm like, yo, that move you showed us, like I did, I did it, but have you tried like doing this and then that? And he's like, oh dude, you figured out the next step. Now what you can do is, and then he just goes on like this, like 20 minute rant <laughs> of like, well, then you could, you could move that there, this there. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Like, I thought I was so smart. And he was just over here. Like, Oh yeah, that was, that was step two. <laughs> like, That's awesome though. That's amazing. Yeah. also like the importance of talking to people and like, sure. Hey, I figured this out. I'm so stoked. Or like, you know, you and I had something in common where we love nutrient dense animal food. And then you just talk about it and have meaningful conversations, not some stupid thing. You know, you're talking right. about Oh, I put this into practice. I took what you said. I'm doing the stuff. I'm putting in the work. And he's like, sick. You're in step one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right, let me show you the rabbit hole. <laughs> Here's how deep this goes. It's like, oh shit, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I mean, it's so crazy. And I guess it's probably just one of those things. Like, I think that's probably just like a meta thing of everything, right? Whether it's nutrition, lifting, jujitsu, um, podcasting, uh, being a, being a trainer, it's like, it, it, it's almost like, it's almost like the more, you know, the realize you don't know anything. I think that's a quote that's somewhere, but it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre to me. It's how that just happens. like more often than not, I feel like I literally don't know anything. And then, you know, you talk to somebody who really doesn't know anything and it's just like, wow, oh, I guess I do kind of know some stuff. Oh, and then on the other hand, you talk to another person and you're like, yeah, I definitely don't know shit. Yeah. That's why like, I feel like the years, like I remember when I was applying, um, I went to college for a computer engineering degree and then I went to, uh, get like a software engineering job. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, why won't they just hire me for this or this? Like, why are they starting me off with a level one? Like I already, I already know everything I need to know. And it's like, then you get put into the situation and you're just like, good thing they started me off at a level one. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, eating the humble pie. Yeah. Right. Um, cool. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Let's go back to, um, I want to kind of go back to, uh, how you found out that you like, so let me ask you this first, whenever you're coaching, whenever you're doing a holistic training, whenever you were like, I'm going to be a holistic lifestyle coach, did you feel like an alignment within you that it was like, I need to, give this information to the world kind of thing. Cause I guess that's kind of what I was hearing, but 
Yeah, in a way, for sure. Because I just spent so much time, like I said, just feeling bad. And I just feel like it's part of my duty, like to just share it with other people because I already know all this stuff. So why wouldn't I share it with somebody? You know, I put in the time and the effort and done the research. So why wouldn't I put together a bunch of recipes of nutrient dense foods that somebody can make and give them my time and attention and just let them pick my brain and me pick theirs. And why wouldn't I just want to connect with people on that level? Because that's like way more meaningful than, you know, some office job somewhere. But it's also, I think a lot of me becoming a coach was just me realizing that I do know what I'm talking about and realizing that I do have an expertise and realizing that I do have something that's valuable to share. And that really can apply with anything with anybody. I mean, perfect example is you starting this podcast. You're like, I, I am capable of having interesting conversations. I know interesting people that I can have these conversations with, and I'm confident enough to put it out into the world. And that's all it takes. And then you're going and you're off on your way, you know? Did you feel like you had a level of, because yeah. And that's an interesting way to tie it in because I know that I, you know, I kind of, I was noticing these conversations coming up with people and it's like, there's this weird, like, you could just feel like this resonating, like, I guess, frequency vibration where you just talk about certain things. And it's just like, it's like, yep. Like, you know, they, they get it. Like they're kind of talking at the same level almost. It's not like you have to go back and explain like little things. It's like, well, it's not everybody. Or it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's like these, right. yeah, <laughs> you roll your eyes. If you're listening, she rolled her eyes. That <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so is there, and it, it took me a while because I had these conversations with, you know, at least let's say enough people to realize like, these need to be recorded. Like I felt like there was just so much value in these conversations of just realness and authenticity that it needed to be kind of captured and put out there for everyone to hear. Um, I never really went through this kind of phase, but I'm curious for you with um, like kind of learning all this stuff. Did you kind of have like a, an imposter syndrome at some point or every day? Every day. day. Yeah, absolutely. Every day. And I, attribute everything that I've done to my coach, Carolyn. Um, I think that getting a coach and having somebody in your corner and on your team, that is basically a sounding board of what's true, you know, because there's the truth of you're a great podcaster. There's the truth that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to nutrition. And then there's all the shit of like, well, there's other people that are doing it better. And this person, right. the comparison game and Comparison is the thief of joy is one of the most true quotes because we're all different and we're all individual and unique and we're all put onto this earth for a reason I would like to think. And I mean, I firmly believe, but you know, I think that it's just like getting out of your own way and just being a a human and let it fly, let it rip. Who cares? You know, yourself because there's somebody out there that wants what you have. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, like you're in a position, right? There's like, yeah. And I, I think a good, um, I think a good phrase is like as above, so below, like, you know, where you're at, there's just as many people. I mean, this is kind of like a weird thing to say, but I guess I would argue that there's probably people that are below you and above you. Right. It's like, you know, there's so much more information for you to learn yet. There's so many more people that don't know. And it's kind of like, I guess you kind of find yourself at this certain intersection of the road where then you feel like you're 
capable to present it to other people or at least kind of start giving them the roadmap of doing it. Because I guess a good example is like um, lifting. And I'm thinking back to whenever uh, my roommate in San Diego got into lifting because he never lifted. And then me being such like a forward growing person, not to brag, I guess, but it just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that came off from definitely a place of ego. <laughs> uh, Can't that just be a fact? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It, it's like a humble duality. Like, I don't yeah, want to. so sensitive these days that just like having one little thing that you're proud of is just like, you're yeah. selling. Yeah, that's true. And so it just, you kind of want to, you don't want to ruffle feathers. Like, you don't want to come off as being like a, I guess, a dick in a certain What's sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to say I got him into it, but he started, um, he started going to the gym more. And so a part of that was him asking questions. Right. And, you know, there's that, there's kind of that level of like you, I see this with jujitsu, right? Like there's a level of like, you tell them what to do, but then you see all these like little micro things that they're almost doing wrong. But mm. you're like, but at a level, you got to kind of just step back and be like, dude, they're here. He's doing the movement as well as you can be for only lifting for a week or two weeks, you know, like, yeah. Right. And I mean, but that's like being a good teacher is you recognize where they can be improving, but you also understand where they've come from and how far they've already come. But also you mentioned that like, there's people that know more and then there's also people that know less, but sometimes people that know less are more business minded than me. And they have like six figure income selling some like, crappy smoothie plan online and i'm just like what the heck you know (laughs) but so there's something to be learned from everybody and i think that's a that's a huge thing that i've been like kind of taking into my life is that learning from everybody like every conversation i have is a little bit more difficult with portuguese (laughs) because i can't really have i can't really have these types of conversations (laughs) i'm still trying to like not yet not yet key key um, I'm still trying to figure out if they like need my signature when I give them a credit card or not. Like, oh my god! Yeah, like after after they swipe my credit card, I'm still trying to figure out. Like sometimes they need the signature. They start asking me if I have like a, like a social security number or what? there's one there's like one more thing. Yeah, they have like a it's called the CPF. Um, or they they say CPFE, but uh, it's like. I, I don't know. It's some sort of like tax, I think, tracking number that they use that, you know, you need to put in. Well, but maybe, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Track you, you know, it's the way do of the future. Do they not do cash there? Do they not do cash? Yeah. No, they have cash. I just, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it happens occasionally where they're like, oh, like, what's your CPF? I'm like, don't have one. Like, they're just like, okay, like, never mind. Like, so I don't, oh, I don't know. That. Yeah, I I think because I want to open up a bank account here so that I'm able to like kind of pull out cash and all that stuff. But, you know, I I started looking into it and you need like that CPF number. And so I'm not really not sure. I'll at least be in Porto Alegre for two months. And then after that's a question mark. I kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Last night. So I'm doing this like catch up with Clayton thing. And so last night I actually kind of just had a. a little bit of an anxious uh, moment of like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> Just ride the wave. Don't yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I kind of had that last night. And so um, I don't know, we're getting off topic now, but that was kind of like a part of the whole, uh, the whole process, right. Of being able to be like, all right, this is, 
this is growth. This is like, it's you know, I mean, when yeah. I went to San Diego, I had never even been here before. I had one friend who was like, I was, you know, got out of a long relationship and in between houses. And she was just like, Hannah, you're going to love it in San Diego. Just trust me and come on. So I did. And it, I love it. It's home. You know, I've been right. here now and it just feels like home. Everyone's so cool. And just like, uh, yeah, I love San Diego. And I mean, that's a part of it. It's like, why the fuck did I leave San Diego? <laughs> oh, no, but San Diego is always going to be here. You got to get yeah. out of your comfort zone and find yourself. Oh, like, I completely. Super rad. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And, and I guess that's like, um, it, it's going to be on the uh, catch up with Clayton that I release next week, but it's like, you know, I, I've started viewing like those like anxious or anxiety or even just physical pain, like a physical or emotional pain. I've started just viewing it as like a, it's a growing or learning opportunity. You know, it's something that I either don't know, or it's something I need to do or this or that, you know? So it's just that, you know, I think it's just that process of, um, you know, growing. And I, and have you heard of Abraham Hicks? No, I have not. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. It's like, should I look it up? Your spiritual shit? Not weird. I should <laughs> do it. Weird. I think you're weird, Abraham. But um, <laughs> basically, using your emotions as your guidance system of how you feel, you know, because how you feel is what you know. And so if something makes you feel excited or like kind of nervous, but like in a good way, then like, listen to that. If something makes you feel uncomfortable and like you dread it, then listen to that and don't do it. So I think right. that right now you're probably just like, what am I doing with my life? And I would say just like, let your emotions guide you, you know? Yeah. Just write it out. No, I totally, I totally think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of truth to that ideology, like, or that, uh, I don't want to call it an ideology, but that way of thinking, because I, I mean, I truly believe like, you know, this, this body that we have, especially whenever it's tuned up, right. You know, you're working out, you're getting sun, you're doing all these things, you're eating holistically. I mean, I, you know, it has thousands, arguably millions of years of, um, you know, repetition that it's been doing in this world before our brains even came to an existence. And, you know, you want to talk about how, you know, and this is a good way to tie in what we were just talking about, about how we know nothing. It's like, you know, why not just, it's like, you need to put the logical brain, like in the background majority of the time, in my opinion, because it's only been, you know, my brain's only been absorbing 27 years of knowledge versus my body has millions of years of, you know, <clears throat> from DNA at a DNA level uh, that it's going to be firing off all these emotions because it knows it just like at some level intrinsically knows the these things. Body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's also, you know, in spirituality, they talk about the observer and how there's you that's like feeling all these emotions. And then there's the other you who sees you feeling these emotions right. and knowing which one is actually you, you know, that was a huge, that was a huge breakthrough I had was like this. <clears throat> it's like, you're not your feelings and you're not your emotion or you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions. It's like, and not every thought that you think is true. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, and there's what's like the cause of like depression and anxiety is whenever you start thinking these made up futures or past, and then you like get like all disgruntled and this is where it comes back to meditation. So if you're listening, you should be meditating, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's podcast. Yeah. There's a lot that you take away. Um, and, and crux of that anxiety I had, I like just meditated for like 30 minutes after. And it was, you know, it wasn't gone, but I like came to a lot more realizations of, mm -hmm these thoughts and these emotions I had were 
I don't want to say made up, but they were being amplified over what um, the reality was of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, and then with the observer, which is crazy, right? Because if you sit back and you think like, okay, you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions. It's like, okay, well, what are you? Like, what is left for you right. to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's where it gets really weird. It's just yeah. Like, okay, I'm not my body. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my mind. I'm not my feelings. I'm just right. It's like, what's, yeah, just your good time. <laughs> so I'm watching. I seriously believe like, I, you know, I, there's like the simulation theory. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah. I do not subscribe. Yeah. You don't subscribe. Well, let me, let me, so I don't subscribe in the idea that we like this. So simulation. Explain it. Okay. Yeah. So simulation theory is that we're in just a computer world that someone pressed start on and they are, I don't know exactly how far it got, but essentially the idea is, is that, you know, we're in a simulation that people have created. Right. And this has been brought up with like the whole computer age. It's like, we can create all these simulation simulated games. It's like, well, what if somebody, you know, meta us just press start on a simulation and now we're all just, all this occurred in a nanosecond on someone's fingertips, like this whole reality. Right. I don't, I'm not saying I subscribe to that, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's an interesting idea there that, you know, it's like, we're not, we're not our body. We're not our thoughts. We're not our emotions, you know? So what are we? And I subscribe more to the idea of us being like these, and this is where it's going to get weird. Some sort of like spiritual entity or energy that is inhabiting, you know, this physical plane of this V almost like a VR headset, right? You, it's some sort of VR reality for them. Yeah. Like avatar. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah, exactly. Like avatar. Um, you know, I guess that's physical to physical, but you get the basic idea there where it's like, yeah, it's just, and then after that, I don't really know where I stand. I had this whole car. You, you could check out episode two. If, uh, <laughs> you know, just, I can't wait. I mean, but uh, that's like the basis of what all spirituality quests are. It's just like, what are we, where did we come from? What's going on? Am I just like a fragmented split of source energy? Am I my own thing? Is this a simulation? I don't think that if we were in a simulation, we'd be able to observe that we are in a simulation because we are it. You know, that's what an I mean? interesting so thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can subscribe to that just because I don't think that we could observe something that we are like in. I don't know. I see where you're like, going you, with that. You can't read the label if you're inside the box. Like you can't read what's on the outside of the label if you're inside. Right. Right. So. But yeah, I'm I, trying to think of that. Yeah. Because otherwise you would have this cascading effect of what creating more simulations in order to play out. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Then you realities. Try and replicate the simulation that you're in, but you're yeah. creating it. So it's not yeah. the one that you're in because we didn't create this one, if that's what this is. I think it doesn't hold up because and I know this is probably a weird transition, but like with trying to like map weather or to map like, you know, certain environmental changes, I think it's impossible to calculate the infinite nuances that are occurring. And it's why we can't 
map weather to like a perfect extent, right? Like, you know, we can't say for sure when it's going to rain. There's just a percentage chance that it's going to rain. And, you know, with all this technology we have. And so, you know, I think if, I guess what I'm trying to say is for simulation theory to hold some water at all, you would need to be able to have the infinite resources of data in order to create the perfect simulation almost. Right, which I don't think that we have because I mean, like, I mean, let me put on my tinfoil hat. Like yeah. there's so many like, secret <laughs> cool. societies and there's so much stuff that we don't know. Yeah, you know? right. That's like hidden. Actually, there is a podcast called the Tinfoil Hat Podcast with Sam. Okay. It's so interesting to listen to. Obviously, I don't subscribe to all of their thoughts, but they had one where some guy comes on and he's talking about like weather modification and how that's real. You know, I've heard and, about that. Yeah. So who knows what's even going on in this reality? So like for yeah. us to even try and explain how this is a simulation, we would need to know all the details and we don't. And so then that is where I just am like, okay, what can I do in my physical life? What's yeah. the reality that I can actually know and prove to be true? What can I manage? Yeah. Yeah. Because and, oh, it's, it's, I, I love it. I mean, I'm glad we kind of got there with this conversation. Um, you know, but I, I think a, a huge important piece there and uh, is the idea of like, what can you manage, right? Like if you try to manage like, and this can kind of stem from where anxiety and depression could come from is you're trying to control just so many different outputs as opposed to just like letting everything just be as it is. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Because that is the ego trying to control and trying to, you know, understand, but sometimes you don't need to understand. It just needs to be yeah. like a, that feels good to me or that doesn't feel good to me. And then you just keep it. Keep going. Well, and I think that's like a huge thing that we've kind of, especially Western society, let's say more so has trained out of us is that connection to like spirit almost where it's like, we're just like in our analytical state 24 seven. It's like a schooling system was just like, I don't want to say brainwashed, but trained us. Yeah. To be a factory worker. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence with that and how we like created our school system such that it could just be like taking orders. Well, and um, that point is why I like don't really care about calories and macros and stuff. Like, yes, they're great tools. They're great metrics. Like let's dial in what you need for your body because that's obviously like a scientific thing for a reason, but right. like we don't need to be so analytical. Like, let's just think like, just let it be easy. Just eat real food. Let it be easy. Like, yeah, it's like just listen to your body and try yeah. to listen to what it needs. Right. Well, but this, also don't listen to it too much. Like if you're only eating donuts because your microbiome and the parasites in your body will affect your brain. Oh, like, well, that's interesting. And like when you crave sugar, yeah. You, like okay, there's been there's a parasite right that will get into rats, right? It it grows in mice but it evolves in cats like into its next level, right? Rats and cats aren't friends, but this parasite will make the rat attracted to the scent of cat urine and be around the cats that mm. it gets eaten by the cat. And then the parasite is now in its new host. That's uh, crazy. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. That is pretty really crazy. crazy. So they so then like control your brain sometimes. So you have to like, be the observer and you have to realize what's going on when you're reaching and that's, the chips and the soda and the cookies and the sugar all the time, that it's not I think, you. So don't feel bad. We just need to kill them. All right. You just need okay. to kill them. 
or some holistic food. Yeah. And I think, and I think an interesting like thing that occurs, right. Whenever you, um, you know, stop eating sugar, like if you have a high sugar diet and you go cold Turkey, no more sugar, you experience keto flu, which I'm sure you're aware of at some extent where you literally feel like you have the flu, like you get shakes, you, you know, you get headaches, you feel nauseous. So is that something that you experience quite often with uh, new clients of yours? So I don't, I've never um, guided anybody into ketosis just because I think that that is something that's really nuanced and I'm not a doctor. Um, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> like I, I've done it myself. I've experienced it myself. And I honestly think like, yes, it feels so shitty when you're in it, but it's kind of fun because it's like part of the human experience. It's like having this body and like experiencing what it feels like to be in the keto flu or like, you know, like to yeah, feel that's pretty funny. detoxing. Yeah. Like, it's a better way to look about it. You know? Well, and so, okay. So what you kind of just touched on there is kind of what I was touching on earlier with like my anxiety. It's like, you know, you're like, I, I like, I get that there's pain and there's like suffering in the world, but like mm-hmm. once you hit a certain level of like knowing who you are, knowing what you want, knowing where you're going, you know, you, it's like, you can't have the highs without the lows. Like you need that, like suffering to remind you like, of the good you need that suffering and i and i've started viewing it and kind of how you were saying that you view it almost as like this like growth like it's like poking you it's like hey this is evidence that you're growing hey this is evidence that you're doing something better um like even if I it guess, sucks like isn't it cool to even be having these experiences at all yeah just to be feeling it yeah just to be here yeah. doing it because i mean i didn't choose to be born like consciously but maybe on like right. some soul level i did you know some star seed shit but like that's another wild conversation yeah well that's another wild conversation in itself like and again <laughs> we're bringing up a we're bringing up sorry can you say that again that's a conversation for somebody who's done way more drugs than me <laughs> okay then we could we could stay away from that one <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like, yeah. Are you, are you picking? Yeah. Cause this was talked about this on, uh, episode two as well. Like the idea of reincarnation. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is actually just me just plugging that episode over and over. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then, I mean, um, let's go, let's go back to like the nutrition stuff. So with the, uh, keto flu, um, well, I, so I guess like, I don't even want to link it specifically to ketosis because in my mind it occurs like when you just cut sugar because of the gut biome, your gut biome is looking for, um, and this is very vague research. So it's definitely like go for that. And like high carbohydrate foods. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Like if you have like corn syrup and all these, like, you know, this junk food, let's say sugar, um, you know, so what happens is, is my understanding. And so fact check me if you've never heard this, uh, is that your gut biome essentially is looking for sugar. And so what it does is it goes for the resources that I don't know if they replicate sugar molecules or what, but essentially what it goes for is magnesium, potassium, and sodium. And it'll just rip all those out of your system the best they can, which is what forces, not forces. Yeah. It was it, what's what makes you feel like you have these headaches, you have like you're getting sick. Um, and so a very easy way to combat it is uh, avocados and then uh, bone broth. And just the combination of those two things like will completely get rid of the keto keto flu. Um, so I don't know. 
Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever had experience with never people just cut out sugar. If they will start to feel like those, like the fog, like the fog kind of intensifies, honestly, whenever you start doing it because of that, that reaction in your body. Well, I'm a big advocate for eating bone broth, eating healthy fats, eating lots of avocado, um, basically eating keto-ish, but I I like fruit in the morning, fruit on an empty stomach, um, and Ayurveda, which is like an ancient Indian kind of way of living. Um, they're all about food combining. Um, so you always have fruit by itself on an empty stomach. Um, and so basically moral of that being like my clients don't really go into the keto flu, but I would love to, you know, explore that with people and, you know, maybe one day in the future guide them into that. But again, that's just something that I don't really specialize in. I just try and specialize in getting people away from eating processed bullshit and feeding their kids food because that's really where my heart lies is with like children um because as a child who i mean obviously my parents are the best people ever yeah. but like just didn't know better and oh, yeah. if, you know i just want kids to have a fair advantage in life you know Man, i can i can relate to that if uh my senior year picture it was there was something there was some weird stigma in my mind where it was like the more you eat like kind of cooler like people were always like the amount of food i could eat like back in the day was arguably gross <laughs> like like I remember just like the shock and awe that it would put into people. And it was like, kind of like, it was kind of cool. I was like sick, but you know, now that I look at photos, like I had a pretty big stomach and it was like, yeah, you know, end of the day, it was like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, you know, I don't, I don't want that. And, you know, I was considered my like self, like a healthy person. And I was like conscientious and I would, I would, uh, what would it be like? You would validate kind of the, um, the reason that you weighed so much, you know, it was like, Oh, I'm not actually, I'm a lifter. I lift, I play football. You know, it wasn't, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm healthy. If you feel good at like a bigger size, like then do that. I mean, is that? I mean, I'm actually not going to go into that territory because there's just yeah. so much ground <laughs> for being fat shamey or whatever. So I'm not going to go there. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> whatever you're comfortable <laughs> with. I it's a weird topic, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, right? Like it's a, uh, you know. You, I guess a way you can kind of phrase it is like your body's looking for its equilibrium. Almost it's looking for, it's like, it's like middle ground. And so it, you know, it leads credence to, and we could use me for an example. Let's, uh, we can, we can fat shame me. Um, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so like, so for an example, like I probably sit around like 13 to 15% body fat, but and in an ideal world, like I want to be around eight to 10%. So now becomes like, you know, there's two things at play here. Number one is whenever you kind of cut down to, let's say any percentage, let's say you go from 20% down to 15 or you're going to 15 down to 10. There's that equilibrium thing that happens in your body where you're like, wait, 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 wait. we need to put more food in here. This isn't equilibrium. We need to put more in. Um, versus me being like, no, it's okay. Like you're still healthy. So, I think that there has to be some sort of would it be duality in there. I mean, you know, you being a health coach, do you think that it's like, and I mean, I know 15% or 13 to 15% is not like crazy by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, 50%. Yeah. That's insane. They have fat inside of their, like, that's insane. 
like visceral fat, they're 50% fat, which I mean, even 20% is, I feel like it sounds high because it's like 20%. But also if you think of it, fat is basically just energy. So it's just stored energy. It's like having granola bars strapped all over your body. And (laughs) so it's a survival thing. But I mean, of course, we all want to be shredded. All females want to be like 14%, right? Is like right. the bodybuilder one. And all guys want to be ripped. Everybody wants to be shredded. But I just think I don't really, obviously, I think that weight loss and things like that is a byproduct of having adequate nutrients in your body. It's it, That makes sense. Because your body doesn't need to hold on anymore because it doesn't know when it's going to get the next vitamins or the next proteins or the next proper whatever. So it's just holding on to whatever it can find because it doesn't know when it's going to be fed properly again. And so when you start to introduce more nutrient dense foods, then your body can release some of the shit that's been holding on to. Sorry about that, but no, yeah. you can swear. You're good. Completely uncensored. Okay. Yeah. yeah you're good. That's, well, that's so, so then, you know, with that being said, in an ideal world, if you're getting all the nutrients you need, then what body fat percentage is ideal, right? Like if I'm sitting at, let's say 13, 15%, um, is the ideal 8%. Does that mean that I'm missing out on nutrients? It depends on who you're talking to. Like, are you talking to like some Jack Samoan dude? Or are you talking to like a little Irish man? Like it depends on who you are and what your goals are and what you're trying to do with your life, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't think that there's one that one size fits all, which is very nuanced and complicated and not pleasing to the ego that wants <laughs> to put everything into a box of black or white of you know, right. so like whatever feels good for Clayton and however he can perform optimally, feel good about how he looks and like his body has everything that he needs and his labs are coming back properly. Then that's like all that matters. That's all that like check all those boxes. And I mean, you know, it's kind of where we started with this is that, you know, nutrition is such like a nuanced thing that it makes it difficult, you know, especially like, you know, culture to culture, region to region, like, um, you know, you, you bring up a Samoan, like on average, they are bigger and thicker, you know, people. Yeah. So then you can't have that comparison to, you know, let's say a, a Asian person who's usually smaller and skinnier, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that in America, it's hard with, I think that we struggle with food a lot here because we don't really have a food culture because it is such a melting pot that there isn't like a way that people have been eating. Like there's not the Chinese medicine of America. You know, yeah, been there forever, you know, thousands of of years of just empires and one culture, obviously, within China, but in America, everybody's from all over the place, and there's not one way to eat or one way to be. And I think that we have an identity crisis as far as food goes in that regard, because you know. When you think of American food, it's burgers and like hot dogs, burgers and fries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. talk about like them. yeah, <laughs> we eat way too much of them, and then we have a consumption problem on top of all of that. And you know, and I don't know, maybe there's a maybe there's a level of having all of those different ethnicities as a melting pot. You're like, I want to try this, I want to try that, and add on top of that, you know, we're getting away from I think as a, well. I hate to call us a capitalist society because I feel like we're starting to deteriorate our capitalism. So, but just brushing past that, um, <laughs> uh, being the, one of the most capitalistic societies in the world, I think we've generated so much wealth, um, that, 
you know, abundance is just everywhere in our society. And since, and I think there's a level of, you know, we're cutting off like kind of our spirit. We're just being analytical about everything. And so you need, you're not like in tuned with your feelings. And so we have this abundance of everything. We're not in tuned with how we feel. We're not in tuned with, you know, what we're doing and how we're doing it. And I feel like that's kind of this creating this kind of health crisis that we're kind of going through. Absolutely. And, you know, we numb our bad feelings because we're all, I say we all, Americans in general are overweight, unhappy, in crippling amounts of debt. Like everybody. And so then you find cheap thrills with food that is literally being engineered to make you addicted to it. There are food scientists that get paid a lot Mm -hmm. of money to figure out what, what's the perfect ratio of fat, sugar, and carbs or, or in salt, fat, sugar, and salt. What is the perfect ratio so that you are satisfied when you eat that chip, but it disappears immediately, melts in your mouth, and you just eat the whole entire bag. Yeah. And it's empty calories and empty food, and it causes weight gain, which causes all of these different illnesses like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, that then the pharmaceutical companies make a bunch of money off of. And it's really insane. And it's even more insane that there's not any money really. I'm not going to, that's a bold claim. There's not a lot of support for the grassroots holistic health movement because there's not so much money to be made because you can't put a patent on an apple unless you're Monsanto and it's genetically modified. Uh, And that's a whole, yeah, that's a whole rabbit hole on itself, right? Monsanto bear. They, they basically own the entire, and for those who don't know, they fact check the percentage on here, but they essentially own at least 90% of food supply and healthcare in our society. Right. So they make us sick and then they treat it. Uh, it's yeah, that's, I think I'm still at a point where that pisses me off. So maybe <laughs> it makes me angry. And I feel like yeah. if it doesn't make you angry. Then you just need to read more into it and get angry. I haven't looked <laughs> even it yeah. truly is like the plague of our society right now, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, we it's, can't go with it's ugly about COVID. I mean, we're recording this in 2021 and, you know, everybody's just talking about pharmaceuticals and things, which that's fine. If that's, yeah, that absolutely has a place in society. But where's the conversation about metabolic health? Where's the conversation? Yep. About, like, it, why isn't McDonald's shut down? Why are right. people eating high fructose corn syrup and soybean oil? You right. know, like they're, there needs to be a conversation about actual health, but I don't think that there's money to be made in that for these giant corporations, which is why it's being glazed over, which really just sets a fire under my ass to like try and continue doing what I'm doing and keep sharing and keep helping people on the level that I can, because, you know, tend to the part of the garden that you can touch, you know, I can't reach all the way on that acre, but I can, I have people in my sphere and in my circle that I can. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, you know, this, this podcast isn't going to make any groundbreaking, you know, um, you know, numbers anytime soon, but you know, at some point people are going to come across this and be like, yep. Okay. Like, and this might piss people off to hear because you know, it's, I think it's something that we honestly at some level don't want to believe. Like we don't want to believe that the powers that be are doing this or doing things like this, but at some level, yeah. yeah, but, but which is, that's so crazy to me. It's like, well, 
what have we, what have you said in the last like two minutes? That's like even an opinion, right? It's just a fact that Monsanto's bear is the owner of all the produce and all of the drugs that we basically put in our bodies. It's like, I mean, that's not even, that's just a fact, right? So I guess do with that as you want. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fact that all of you, all you see on the media is fear and, you know, what you should do to kill germs. And it's like, well, where's the conversation about how to build up good, you know, antibodies to naturally defeat the bad germs. Where's the conversation about sunlight? Where's the conversation about holistic food? And maybe this is a great reason. I mean, this is probably a huge reason I brought you on was because you can heal and, you know, fix a lot of these things within your own body and not need to put in these foreign substances that are man-made in order to fight off like, Things that argue you don't even really need to be afraid of. Well, and honestly, illness is just your body talking to you. So if you have a headache every day, what's going on? If you have crippling acne and your face is just like in pain, like why? Why? Maybe you need blueberries. Like let's not put band-aids over these things. You know, yeah. it's like when you're hungover and you take a Tylenol, I get it, right? But like that's because your body is not in balance and these pains and aches and illnesses are that it's trying to communicate with you. It's right. manifestations of what's going on. And I think that a lot of people just kind of put their head in the sand because it's been generations of just being born and raised this way of, you know, this is just what we eat and why is everybody getting cancer? And it's like, that, what's the root cause behind all of this? Right. You know, cancer is, and again, we're not doctors. So I guess at some level, take what we're saying with a grain of salt, but cancer is like a really fascinating, yeah. Cancer is a really fascinating one. I remember seeing, and this is definitely something to fact check, but I guess this is something I want to at least put out there. Um, whenever you, so as an example with like glass <clears throat> on windows or whatnot, if you create a sound at a certain frequency, it shatters, right? Like you've always seen, like, if you like hit a certain frequency, like glass will shatter. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. She's hitting the frequency that resonates with the glass in order to break it apart. So what happened was, and again, I saw this on a, on a quick Instagram thing, but I totally believe it. I've never had cancer, but if I ever do, I'm totally trying this. Um, if anyone has cancer, I, give this a shot at some level before you do chemo because it's non-invasive. They took like, I don't even know what it was, but it looked like kind of like, I want to say ultrasound, but some sort of like machine where we just put like electricity on the area, um, not electricity, but just like frequencies on the area. And they had a machine hooked up to it that would hit the area with cancer at the same, it would resonate at the same frequency that the cancer was. And they ran a study of, I think, 14 patients that were terminally ill with cancer and put this machine on them. And after like two or three treatments, like 12 of the 14 were completely fine, like just no cancer whatsoever. And here's the problem. You can't make money off of a machine that just blasts it with a resonant frequency and you're healed within a month. Like, so I... I was going to just add that in the state of California, if you're a doctor, you... The only, I'm pretty sure that you have to recommend chemotherapy. You can't recommend it really or you lose your license. I'm really? Almost, yeah. Chemo is the only treatment because there's money in that. And it's yeah. just a freaking shame. And, you know, then they call you a quack if you don't or you lose your license and you're blackballed from the community. And it's, yeah. But so to the resonance thing, there's 
the frequency of the earth is called the Schumann resonance. Okay. Um, and like the earth has its own frequency, which, you know, the cell phones and the radiation and the telephone lines are ruining it. And we all heard how the birds flight paths are getting weird, but there was a study that was done where they put people in this like underground bunker where they could like shut off the frequency and okay. change the frequency of the room. And whenever they would change it away from the Schumann resonance, these people would like get massive migraines. They would feel super sick. It would like really, really fuck them up. But that's also why I think that grounding and earthing and being outside and being in nature is so important because you need to connect with that frequency of the earth, which, right. you know, you get away might, from all the BS. <laughs> Let's say that again. Might have anti-cancer properties. Who knows? I, I mean, I truly believe it. Right. I think, and this is something that I think ties back into our whole energy center conversation. It's like, it, it, there's a, even the energies within your body, right? Like as you kind of scale up the frequency of them kind of actually scale as well. So like whatever your root chakra is, you know, it might, I don't even really want to guess, but let's say it's like within like the 200 to 300 Hertz range. And like, as you go up, I think your heart might be about like 590 something Hertz. And so the way I kind of view it now is that these energy centers are getting blocked and that's how cancer is forming, whether it's from, you know, the things you're around, whether it's because you have a phone on you 24 seven, whether it's because you um, aren't eating holistically, you know, you aren't doing these things. And I think the problem becomes is here's the, here's the million. I think here's the, the, the thing that kind of changes the whole thing does bear Santos or, you know, do these companies know this and they're just hiding that information and covering it up or do they truly not know? And they're afraid of their bottom line and afraid of not making money. Cause I think, I think one's more evil obviously than the other. If they actually know about this shit, then I think that there should be a spot in hell saved for them I mean, without a doubt. I, go I ahead. There's no way that they don't know about this stuff. And yeah, I think that there are people with weird ulterior motives that we don't know anything about. But I also think that instead of just focusing on like what's wrong and focusing on how these companies are operating and what's wrong about it, it's just like, let's, I'm choosing to opt out. Let's opt yeah. out. Let's go to the farmer's market. Let's know your local farmer. Let's start growing food yourself. Let's do the things and create these, you know, create a different reality, create another paradigm where it can be good and where we understand the realities of this one. But it's like, hey, come over here. We don't have to compete with these companies. We don't have to shut them down. That's not my life's mission is to shut right. down Monsanto. I'm just choosing to not vote with my dollars. I'm choosing to opt out of those systems and, you know, choose other ones. And I, and I think that's an important point, right? I think... <laughs> I think uh, this conversation was starting to deteriorate into a little bit of anger and uh, right. you know frustration. And yeah, let's not let's not do that. I, I think it's so much more powerful, like you said, to to get a coaching uh, thing from Hannah Olson. To <laughs> just kidding, do do whatever you want to do. But I think it's I think it's so beneficial to people to just be aware of it and just to at least at least I mean I truly believe one person can change the world. So as long as you know you. And I'm speaking for myself as well. Anyone that's listening, as long as you are doing what you need to do to become, if you want to see a change in the world, act as if it's changed and kind of just live that way, right? Start eating the right way you should have these conversations with people who started talking about it and the difficulty about it. And I think this is where the difficulty comes in is that 
it's like when you expose someone to this like too quickly, and I don't know if we did that or not. I guess we'll probably find out once we release this. Um, but there's like a <laughs> there's like a whiplash effect where like people don't want to believe kind of thing that they were ever fed something wrong. It's like they want to, they would rather believe that they were, it's the whole matrix paradigm. It's like, you know, you, you try to pull people out of the matrix. They're going to fight back tooth and nail before they like come around. So I don't, so hopefully we didn't like go too aggressive on this. (laughs) I'm not sure. And I'm just like, yeah, even just say, no, but um, I think that it's important to understand what's going on, but just knowing that like, I don't know whether you want to believe or not that that is our reality, which like it is, but <laughs> knowing that there's like, you, it doesn't be uh, scary. It can just right. be like, Oh wow. Okay. Like I was saying earlier, like this can be fun. Cool. Yeah. What else can we do? Talk it's an opportunity our own thing, you know? Right. And I mean, it's getting more and more difficult with, you know, the current state of affairs and how people are handling this current health crisis and mandates and laws and all of this craziness that's going on. But, um, there's still the opportunity to opt out, you know, and I'm right. choosing to opt out of all of it. And I just am not letting it in my reality as much as I can, you know? Yeah. Right. At some level, it's like, I, I feel like at some level you got to kind of face it with compassion almost. You kind of need to face it with empathy. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm choosing, it sounds like you do choosing to view it as a opportunity at to sympathize and realize how far we've come just in, I would say in my own life. And it sounds like in yours as well to realize like, okay, what is true almost like, what have we been told that we've always just taken for granted and then, you know, taking a step back and then like, well, I don't really know if that's true or not almost. And hell, people can do that with this conversation right here to challenge everything we've said and be like, well, I don't believe with it, but do at least research to figure out what part of it you disagree with. Oh, and I would love to chat with anybody that, you know, has a different opinion on whether it be anything regarding nutrition. If you really think that plants are the most nutrient dense foods, I would truly love to talk to you about it. Um, But also just with anything, I mean, with anything, but it's also having an open mind and keeping your cup empty to always just be able to fill it with new knowledge and new stuff. And just, I mean, I, yeah, I'm. I'm, And this is, this is usually the part where I tell people like, if, if anything that we have said angers you, do not message us. I'm open to conversations, but do not message us from a place of anger or contempt or because that's something that you can feel in a text message. Instead, you have to meditate for 10 minutes and, <laughs> and then you can word your message to explain what you disagree with and like the way that you um, actually see the world and it come from a place of trying to learn something as a pla- as opposed to a place of I'm right and you're wrong. And I will add that for me, I'm probably going to respond to your message playfully which will further anger you and <laughs> that you're not really facing me. <laughs> oh i've already t- i've already told people that <laughs> if it's going out of it i love <laughs> talking to people i love learning and i'm here for it so yeah i take the other road i've told people that i'll just ignore it like if they're coming from a place of anger i'll just kind of just oh, be like no nope. it is like my favorite because they need a response so badly yeah oh i'll when you're well hey look look I'm on, yeah, I've been, I've put out what, I think six episodes now and I haven't gotten an angry message yet. So honestly, I, 
I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just putting this out there the right way. So I, I have a feeling this one might ruffle a few feathers if I had to guess, but let's see. I mean, this one definitely, um, I think people definitely need to meditate on some of the things that we've said here, or if, if they're angry, maybe not, maybe you got a dope community if that I've been putting together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're angry, I'm honored. You got to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it definitely is going on a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it, for a good time, and this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me on. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming on. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Or I mean, this seems like a great spot to kind of end it. Is there anything you want to plug or encourage people to do um, outside um, of what we've already talked about, or reiterate if you'd like? Well, really, if you could just do one thing for your health, I would recommend just start cooking food at home. That'd be the one thing. Drink lots of clean water. Start cooking food at home. Um, if you want any help with that, if you need any recipes or tips or just ideas, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, my website is hqholistic.com. And I'm pretty much only on Instagram at hq.ols. So feel free to reach out to me um, or you can find me through Clayton. Yeah. So, and yeah. I'll put it and for anyone listening, I'll definitely put all of her information in the, uh, in the description. So whether on YouTube, uh, or any of the streaming services, you'll be able to, um, just click the details and, you know, find uh Hannah stuff like super quick. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, this is where I got to plug myself. Everyone that's listening, please like share, comment, subscribe, definitely share with people. I think that's, you know, it doesn't really help that much with the algorithm, but I would honestly rather like this be people who know us, know you, like you're able to kind of get these ideas out there. Maybe things that you've talked about with other friends, like, Hey, Clayton and Hannah, were just talking about this. Like, here's an interesting idea that we can add to our conversation. Um, you know, I have a Facebook group that if you guys want to join, talk in there, um, I need to find a way to kind of get the buzz going there. People haven't really been discussing the stuff that much, but that's, that's my own problems. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just want to close with Hannah. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was a dope conversation. Um, everyone that's listening again, your goal is if you want to reach out, don't come from a place of anger, meditate. I will tell you to go meditate. Sounds like Hannah will give you a um, snooty remark. <laughs> she'll, uh, she'll play with you. I guess it sounds like. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you guys. I appreciate it. And uh, let's continue to grow together.